0: I may lose my voice during this, we'll see. Uh it sounds a little froggy right. Does it sound froggy to you guys? Cool. Um All right, so we're in a series, uh a teaching series uh, that we've just started last week, and, and we're really just really digging into this uh, some fun, fun stuff. Uh, here's what I want to say just as we get going. We live, and this is kind of a sum up of last week as well we live in a natural world. We live in a, in a world that we can see, that we can touch, that we can feel. We live in this very natural world, a world that's all around us. We drive, drive in cars, and we live in homes. We, we go to school, and we go to work, and we have interaction with other people. And it's, it's very easy, if you're like me, to live your entire day, your entire week your entire month even whole seasons of your of your life and not be conscious of the fact that there is another world that surrounds the physical world this is a supernatural world all right and so we're in the middle of a, of a series of talks that addresses the supernatural world it's a series called angels and demons Angels and demons. so there is this supernatural world. We talked about this last week. There's a supernatural world surrounding the physical one that we can see right here in front of us today. And so what we want to do uh, over the course of this series is just sort of like pull back the curtain a little bit and sort of catch a glimpse of this other world. Uh, last week, we talked about angels and who they are and what they do. And next week, we're going to tackle heaven and hell. But this week, we're going to focus on Satan and his demons. I don't know if anybody else uh, likes magic. Is there any magic fans in the house? A couple, okay. People are afraid to raise their hand because it's church. I don't know if I should like magic. It's a, uh, so that's okay. I, I used to be in the magic, like like l- love magic, watching musicians. Okay, uh, I love trying to figure out how they pulled off these stunts, these like incredible stunts that they did. I love trying to, I, I love getting fooled. I love getting like you know when when they just play with your mind. Uh, I love watching David Copperfield uh, back in the day. Penn and Teller are, are incredible. Uh, David Blaine just does some wacky out there stuff. Um. And, and just trick your mind into believing like all of like these, these incredible things like that. They do these incredible tricks. And so uh, years ago, this ma- magician, his name was Val Valentino. And, uh, and he decided he took it upon himself to tell all the tricks of the trade. Right. You may have seen this. You may have heard of this. He went on TV and he started sharing how some of the most famous and mystifying tricks in history were actually done. He, he revealed it all. And, of course, he got a ton of kickback from the magician community. They hated that he was revealing their secrets. And here's the thing today. I imagine that the enemy is not at all excited today because we're going we're gonna to begin to show what he's all about. And ultimately, at the end of today, at the end of the day, this is all about victory, the same thing that we just sang about victory. Can we praise God for victory this morning? Come on. So. Like last week, I have a lot of scripture that I want to throw at you. I have some ideas that I want to share with you. I have a lot of things from the word that we want to talk about. Um, and so so we're going to go kind of fast. We'll have a lot of this on our on our blog and we'll have the whole podcast up uh, a little bit later this week that you can go back and check out. Um, but I have several observations about Satan and his demons that I want to make. And so, so let's just go ahead and dive right in. I want to start with a passage that many of you might know. You've read it before, you've heard it before. Uh, certainly we've talked about it in here before. It's Ephesians, All right, so here's what the Bible teaches us. I want to start right here. The Bible teaches that our enemy is not flesh and blood. Our enemy is not flesh and blood, but actually principalities and powers and spiritual forces of darkness. There is a world, church, that we cannot see that is very real. And so as we dive into this today, there are a few things that I need us to begin with. I'm not sure where you all are on this topic. Maybe you don't have an opinion and you're really here looking for one. Uh, Maybe you're just along for the ride this morning, or maybe you're entrenched in an opinion about what hell is, about what Satan and his demons are, and about how they operate, and that's okay. But no matter what presupposition you came into this theater with today, I I want us all to get on the same page. Our adversary, the enemy, the devil is real. Why do I start there? Well, because some people don't believe that the devil exists. There have been songs and books, movies produced over the last 50 years that show that just as the belief in God is waning in our post-Christian society, that the belief in Satan is waning as well. C.S. Lewis wrote an incredible book called The Screwtape Letters that talks about, from, from this position of of how, it's so easy for 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 me as, as it's so easy for for satan and his and his and his entourage to do whatever they want because nobody believes anymore the devil is real and and the and the thing is is that it's in fact many profession christians they they now believe that there is no satan they believe that there is no hell they believe that there is no demons And listen, maybe that's you, and I would love to talk with you more about that at a later date. But for today's talk, we need to establish a baseline. And here's the baseline Satan is real. And let's take it a step further. Demons are real. Not just something made up. Not I'm not trying to scare anybody today. I'm just trying to report the facts. All right, I'm just trying to give you the truth from the word of God. Like I'm not we're not talking like the demons that you see in, you know, movies. And, and horror flicks, and I know, it's, I know it's Halloween time, so all the Halloween movies are coming out and all the, all the B and C movies that never saw the light of a theater are making their way to Hulu and Netflix and, and maybe you're watching them and that's fine. And we're not talking about that, but demons are real. They are also a part of this unseen supernatural realm. And so with that in mind, let's also, let's also start with this. Let's, let's go to Mark chapter five uh, to get kind of a broad overview of what demons can do just to get our mind in the right headspace to discuss this topic. Let's look at a story that's found in Mark chapter 5. We'll see just how powerful demons can be. Uh, We'll start in verse 2. Scripture says this. uh, When Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there uh, met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. Now, this, this was not like a spirit of like he hadn't showered in a few days. All right, this unclean spirit, this was a demonic spirit. We'll we'll cover that, but I just want you to know, this wasn't like he needed some old spice. He was was really demonic, okay? He had some things going on. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces and no one had the strength to subdue him. And so here we see a regular guy, an average Joe, and and, and he possessed, he was possessed with a demon and he was so strong, so powerful that even the chains couldn't hold him. He he had the power to break the chains because of the possession within him. Verse 5 says this, This isn't a movie. This is a scripture, okay? Verse 5 says this. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Do you recognize that here we are like 2,000 years later? And what do we still see a lot of people doing today who are hurting? Still cutting themselves. Still hurting themselves. I don't know all the reasons why. But what I do know is our spiritual enemy, his mission is to still kill, and destroy. And I just think this is interesting. He's possessed by a demon, and he's, he's hurting. But here's what, it, here's what it says. It goes on, verse 6. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. He knew who Jesus was. He recognized that he was in the, in the, in the midst of a power greater than his. All right, he, he, he came and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the, of the most high God? I adjure you, by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. So Jesus is casting out the demon. If you want to read the rest of the story, it's really, really interesting. And, and, and uh, in, in Matthew chapter 5 here, sorry, Mark chapter 5, um, it's really interesting. Jesus, he cast out this evil spirit. The spirit revealed himself and said, Hey, uh, hey my, there, there are many of us, and our name is Legion. And, and so uh, he basically negotiated a deal with Jesus. He said, he said I want you to actually just cast us into something else. Like he knew, he knew Jesus was going to pull them out. He knew that Jesus was going to was going to win the battle. He so says, "Just cast us into something else." And so Jesus actually cast all the demons into a herd of pigs, and and then the pigs they just ran off the edge of a cliff, and thousands of them ended up drowning as Jesus cast out the demon that that had possessed a man, giving him strength that was greater than any human could even recognize. So this, I just want to give you a glimpse of some of the some of the strength. Some of the powers, some of the things that, the abilities. Some people. So demons are real. Demons are real. Have I ever encountered a demon? That's a line, I know, just like last week, I know people ask, like, have you ever seen an angel? You know, you say angels are all around us. Do you do you know how do you know that they exist? Have you seen? Have you experienced them? Have you walked among them? Well, the answer is probably. And 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 so here's here's I would say the same thing. I've never. Uh, have you ever encountered demons? Probably more often than I realize. I don't have a good story to share about any particular encounter. Uh, I do have friends who have been in the mission field that have experienced unbelievable attacks. From demonic forces, things that could not be explained by man, things that would like if you're sitting around a campfire that would just like chill you to the core. If you're sharing this scary story about about but but it's real about demonic forces doing some some unbelievable things. Um, but but it's th- their stories are not what causes me to believe in demons. The word of God is what tells me that demons are real. The word of God says they are real, and so I trust they are real. So since we have question uh, established that they are real, let's let's answer this question: Where did Satan come from in the first place. And this is a it's a tricky one. Um, people have different opinions and thoughts, and and uh, some people take scripture one way or another way and look at uh, extra scriptural uh, notes to to understand this. But we're gonna we're gonna fall on on one line, and we're gonna kind of stick to it this morning. Scripture teaches us that Satan wasn't always. The bad one. In fact, years and years and years ago, Satan was actually an angel, one of God's best and most beautiful angels known as Lucifer or often called the morning star. Ezekiel twenty-eight, twelve through 15 kind of speaks of the beauty and the majesty of this created being. It says he was, Breathtakingly stunning. He was magnificent. He had a special anointing. He walked on the holy mountains with God. Astonishing music flowed from him. Uh, we talked. Uh, we talked a little while back in the "As It Is in Heaven" series um, about how Lucifer was a worship leader in heaven. And so, so what happened? If this is this is you're describing this beautiful, what what happened? Satan, in his beauty, became jealous of God, and he wanted to be like God, instead of of like. Jesus, who said, Father, thy will be done. Lucifer, the morning star, this beautiful angel, said, I will, I will, I will. Not your will, I will. Five times in scripture, we see this angel wanting to be like God. So here's the account. It's told in Isaiah chapter 14, starting in verse 12. And let me just offer a little clarity before we read the passage. There is debate over this particular passage, whether it it refers exclusively to the king of Babylon or whether it's addressing Satan or it's poetically comparing the king of Babylon to Satan. Either way, it's clear to me that Satan is specifically, um, it's clear to me that Satan is at work here. No, that's, that's where we're going where to land. So scripture says this. Uh, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn. How are you cut down to the ground? You who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mountain of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights and the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And God said, no, you won't. Not going to happen. No one can ever be like me. Ezekiel 28, 16 gives a little more insight into it. It says that because of his pride, he was filled with violence and sinned. And so when this beautiful angel said, I will be like you, God, God cast him out of heaven. And a third of the angels followed him. Most believe that these became uh, the demons that we know today. Revelation 12 gives us this account starting in verse uh, 7, 8, 9. Bible says this, now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And a great dragon was thrown down that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So when Lucifer said, I will be like God, God said, no, you won't. There is none other like me. And so there was this battle that raged in heaven. But I don't want you to think that there was this like massive raging war, like there was this epic raging battle between the forces of good and evil, or that it was even a long battle, uh, or, or that the outcome of the battle was ever in doubt for a season of time, and then eventually God won the battle. That's not what happened. I want to dispel that thought right now, because in every indication of this heavenly battle, it speaks that instantly Lucifer Lucifer and his followers were cast down from heaven. It happened in a moment. As soon as pride and wickedness was found in Lucifer, boom, he was banished from heaven. Jesus, talking about it, said, I saw the devil fall like lightning. So I just want you to recognize that even though there was a battle, there was a victory that was instant in every way. He, cast down, uh, he was cast down to the earth, and now we have this force of darkness to deal with. His name is Satan, and his angels became the demons. And so we're going to talk about both today. Since demons are agents of the enemy, they are one force. And so we're going to kind of hit on both over these uh, next moments. Now, as we uh, talk about this today, as we, as, we, as we talk about, we have to recognize the, the reality that not every bad thing that happens is because of demons. So I kind of want to put that little, little caveat in there as we dive in as well. For example, if you have a bad hair day, that doesn't mean that your hair is possessed with demons. Come out of me, you demon-possessed. Says, says, if your kids are acting up, you don't need to cast a demon out of them every single time. Maybe sometimes. <laughs> Who knows? It could be that they just need a nap or they're like, you know, teenagers. So anxiety and depression are not always demons to be cast out. Often they are simply chemical imbalances that leads to adverse thoughts and physical manifestations. That's the way it is sometimes. We don't need to have an exorcism for the unclean spirit of depression every time. So not every bad problem is because of demons. I just need to to set that out there and set the record straight on that right away. But we do recognize that we're in a battle. There's a battle going on and we're fighting it. Whether you realize it or not, you're like, I didn't realize I was fighting a battle. I'm here in my, you know, khakis and my shirt. Like, I didn't know I was battling today. There is a battle and we're fighting it against our adversary, the devil. The apostle Paul uses battle language in scripture. He says, I have fought the good fight. You fight the good fight too. He tells us to endure hardship like a soldier. He uses this battle language. So this whole idea of us uh, of us being in a spiritual battle is important for us to recognize and understand that there is an enemy and he is trying to actively destroy us. But it's also, to, it's also important to note that the enemy is not your boss. You have an enemy, but it's not your neighbor. You have an enemy, but it's, it's not your spouse. Okay, it's not your kids. It's not your mom. It's not your dad. It's not the bully at school. It's not the elected officials. We have a battle that we face in life, but the Bible clearly states that it is not against flesh and blood. If you have been around for any length of time, you know that the enemy can influence flesh and blood. Am I right? So there's influence there, and that impacts our lives greatly. But the battle is against the forces of Satan. Okay. So that's kind of just kind of got a couple of little random things out of the way, and then we'll kind of flow into sort of a, um, if you're a note taker, I'll give you something to write down here. Uh, most of our remaining time here today, I want to pivot and look at a few things that demons, our adversaries do, and how they impact us and the world around us. And so I'm going to give you a couple things. If you're taking notes, the first one is this. We need to recognize that demons influence the leaders of nations. Demons influence the leaders of nations. And it makes sense because demons, if you're going to try to influence somebody... One of the greatest places that you can make a dent would be if you can influence the leaders of nations. Like maybe, maybe you're like me and you just look around at, at the world, at the news and what's going on in the world and, and you're going like, what, what is happening? It just seems so dark in some countries, right? It just seems some, so, so dark and so hopeless. Well, behind those leaders might be some demonic forces trying to bring about the will of Satan. Daniel ten thirteen helps illustrate this. Uh, we looked at this verse briefly last week when we talked about angels, because uh, it, it does talk about angels as well. Um, and here's the context. Uh, Daniel had it prayed, and, and, and for 21 days, for three weeks, nothing happened. He was praying, asking for intervention, asking for God to show up, asking for an angel to come and, and, and show up. And so yeah, if 21 days, nothing happened. And then an angel of the Lord came to him and said this out of uh, Daniel chapter 10, verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. Behind the scenes in the spirit world, we see demonic forces trying to influence the leaders of government. That's why when you look throughout history and you think of some of the horrible events, you think about the Holocaust and you think about genocide and you think about, uh, you know, today in places all over the world where leaders of governments will persecute and take the lives of anyone who claims the name of Jesus. What, what do we have behind this? We have the forces of darkness, demons at work trying to influence the leaders of nations. This isn't conspiracy theory. We see it in Scripture. The angel battled, the angel battled against the prince of Persia who had an, an, a spirit, a demonic spirit, a demonic force behind him. That's, it, it, an angel doesn't have to battle a man, right? It, it just he, he wins, okay? It just, it just happens. He was battling an evil spirit, ruling a nation through a man. And so uh, this is just one of the things that that demons do. I just want to give you, I'm just reporting the facts here. I just want to give you the facts of what's happening. This is one of the things that demons do. What else do they do? Demons also desire to inflict suffering on you. They want to inflict suffering on you. I'll show you a story in Scripture. And, and as you read it, uh, those of you with kids or grandkids or, or neighborhood kids, I want you to think about like a six-year-old or a seven-year-old or a little boy or a little girl. Imagine this little child doing stuff like trying to throw themselves into a fire or trying to jump into a pool in order to drown themselves. This is what's happening this is what was happening in the time of Jesus. So let's, let's look at this story. This is Matthew 17, verse 15. And the father, there's a father who's like beside himself. I mean, if, again, if you're a parent, you know, if, if your child is hurting, you, you're beside yourself. You want to help them, but you can't. And so he took the kids to the disciples. The disciples couldn't do anything. And so here he is with Jesus. Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly for often when he falls into the fire and often into the water. All right, now the indication here is not like he's having a seizure and so he falls, it's he's throwing himself, literally casting himself into the fire, throwing himself into the water. Why? Because this evil spirit is trying to kill this little boy. So, so what happened? Jesus said, bring the boy to me. And then what did he do? Jesus rebuked the demon And it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. So in this story, we see Jesus confronting a demon who is trying to destroy the life of a little child, a kid. If you can recognize that demons will do that to little children, what do you think they want to do to you, a mature follower of Christ? They want to kill everything that matters to God, demons the princes of darkness. They try to influence the leaders of nations. They try to inflict suffering on you. Here's the third thing. Demons scheme to lure you away from God. They scheme to lure and and pull you away from God. I think if you could choose just one word to describe the enemy and his activity, it it would be this. It would be deceiver. I think that's the best and most appropriate word. In the first book of the Bible, we see how he deceived Adam and Eve. And in Revelation, the last book of the Bible, it says that he deceives the entire world. So we see from beginning to end, Satan is a deceiver. One thing that that I want you to note is that here's what I've realized through just reading and studying and and understanding. I I think that the enemy doesn't have any real power. He doesn't have any real power. He's a deceiver. He doesn't actually have any real power. That's his plan. That's his strategy. Okay? He's, his strategy is to deceive you. They'll, they'll study you, they know your weakness, and they want to do anything possible to lure you away from God. It could be that you just like shiny things. Hey, look at this shiny thing on there right? It could be that you're vulnerable to, to skin. It could be that you're, you, you like to pursue intellectual ideas that take you away from God or, or spiritual enlightenment. The demons will use anything possible to lure you away from the truth of God. So here's how it's described in scripture. First uh, Timothy 4.1. Now the spirit expressly states that in later times, some will depart from the faith to de- by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. What are they trying to do? They're trying to influence the leaders of nations. They're trying to hurt anyone that they can hurt and destroy. And they are trying to lead you away from the truth of God. They are very, very active. I want to give you another example too. The fourth thing, if you're taking notes, is this. Demons want to paralyze you with fear. They want you to live in fear. And I hope that's not what I'm doing today. I hope I'm not casting fear. We're going to come around to the good news uh, toward the end here. Demons want to paralyze you with fear. They want you to go through life worried, in agony, always concerned about something. Some of you, you're, you're there right now. You live in that state of mind. You, you, you worry about your kids, what's going to happen To my kids, you're worried sick about school. You're paralyzed with with fear about your health and the health of someone that you love. You're worried about what's going to happen. What's going to happen in my marriage? What's going to happen with my job? You're just in agony about your spiritual condition. Why? Because Satan, through his demons, is trying to paralyze you with fear. And again, here's what the word teaches us, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power. And love and self control. So, a spirit of fear is a very real spirit, but it comes from the evil one who wants you to live paralyzed by fear. Understand this and never, ever forget it. Satan and his demons, they hate you, they despise you, they wanna take you out, they wanna destroy you. And so, you must be ready to do battle and do battle God's way. So, then, how do we do battle against the forces of darkness? I'm glad you asked. Other than the typical church answers, read your Bible more, pray more, you know, serve more, give more. Okay, those are fine. Like, like I'm not discrediting those. I'm not counting those out. I want to give you two quick things to know when battling the enemy. And I think these are important. I think these maybe aren't talked about enough. Okay, here's here's one of those things. Never treat our enemy lightly. Listen, no matter what, what we can never treat our enemy lightly, never underestimate him. look I want you to look at what scripture says in, in uh, Jude verse 9. but when the Archangel Michael contending with the devil was disputing uh, about the body of Moses. he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, uh, blasphemous judgment, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. okay so even when the glorious Archangel Michael was battling against the devil, he didn't trash talk the devil, Right? He didn't he didn't, he didn't tell you you're nothing, devil. You're you're a punk. U G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you're a punk. Right? Like he didn't trash talk the devil. You ain't nothing. He didn't do any of that. He said, This is ultimately the Lord's battle. The Lord rebuke you. We never take the enemy lightly, never underestimate him. There's a great story you may want to read sometime in Acts chapter 19. It's about these seven sons of Siva. And they, they thought that they were able to cast out demons in the name of Jesus, even though they didn't really know the name of Jesus. Uh, one time they found this demon-possessed man, and, and they approached him, and they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, whom Paul preaches, come out of him. And the demon turned in, and inside this man, he looked at the seven sons, and he said, hey, uh, we know who Jesus is, and we know who Paul is, but who are you? And Scripture said this demon-possessed man, this one demon-possessed man, whipped these seven other men so bad that they can't, came running out of the house naked and bleeding. All right, this story teaches us, here his church, we never treat the enemy lightly. Never treat the enemy lightly. Here's the second thing we need to remember. We don't fight with our power, but with God's authority. We don't fight with our power, but with God's authority. There is a big difference between our power. Our power is not good enough. Our power is not great enough. We fight in the authority of God through the name of Jesus Christ. And here's what scripture says, Matthew 10, one. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal every disease and every affliction. Okay, here's what's interesting here. Jesus didn't give his disciples his power. He gave them the authority to do it in the power of Jesus. And there's a big difference there. For example, if I went out to the middle of the street and I decided that I was going to try to stop traffic, right? I just went out there dressed like this in these clothes. I decided I was going to try to stop traffic. I was going to start telling everybody to stop. Most people would probably look at me and say, who is this guy and what does he think he's doing? Actually, I'd probably get a few honks and a few fingers, to be quite honest. That's probably what would happen. You don't have the power to make me stop. That's, that's, that's what would be going through most people's minds. But if I was dressed in a uniform and I had on a, a badge and then I went out in traffic and I said, stop, traffic would stop. Why? Because I was stopping traffic in the authority in the name of the local government that stands behind me. When we do spiritual battle, we don't battle from our own power. We don't battle with our own power. We battle in the authority in the name of Jesus Christ. For greater is, greater is the one who is in us than one who is in the world. In his authority and by his power, we can have victory against the forces of darkness. Come on, church, that's good news today. So here's the reality. i want to try to put a little bow on this. We went a couple of different directions. We talked about a couple of different things. I wanna try to put a bow on this for you. There is an evil force that is more wicked than you can ever imagine that wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. You have to understand that the demons want your family. They want your marriage, your children, your finances, your wealth. They, they, want, they want your health. They want, they want your relationship with God. Bottom line is, is they want you. The, the forces of darkness, Satan, is described as the father of lies in John chapter 8. Everything he says is a lie. Every time he opens his mouth, he lies. Every time he whispers that you're not good enough, that's a lie. Every time he whispers that you're unlovable, that's a lie. Every time he whispers that his way is better, that's a lie. He's the father of lies, and he feeds us a steady diet of lies if we let him. First Peter 5 says he's walking around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Listen to me, church. He is not a roaring lion because he's been defanged. He's already defeated, and he doesn't even realize it, but he's like a roaring lion. All right, he has a roar. He intimidates He wants you to think that he's all-powerful, that he's strong and he's got the power uh, to alter your life. He walks around like a roaring lion. 2 Corinthians 11 says he masquerades as an angel of light. Sometimes he'll sound religious. He'll he'll mask his language with with religious words to confuse you and lead you away from the truth. Genesis 3 says that he insinuates doubt. Did, Did God really say that? That's not what he really meant. Like that might have been sin 2,000 years ago, but is that really sin in today's culture? I don't know. I said earlier that that he doesn't have any real power other than deception, but let me caution you, church, that can be powerful if we believe it. The only power that the enemy has is the power that we give him when we believe his lies. I don't want you to miss this because many lives have been destroyed when people believe the lies of the enemy. We give him the power to lead us astray, to tear us down, to confuse us, to sow in these seeds of doubt. There are people in this theater today who God has placed a dream in your heart and he's encouraging you in that dream and he's providing for you toward that dream, but the enemy is whispering that you're not good enough. You'll never make it happen. And there are people today that are gonna be tempted to, to believe that lie and to give the enemy the power to kill your dream. There is power in his deception, but only the power that's there when we believe it. So I want you to listen to me, church. There is another world. It is as real or even more real than the world you see with your eyes. How, how do you do battle? Never in your own strength, but in the authority of who God says you are in Christ. So, so can I give you some good news? Because we talked a lot about the enemy uh, this morning, and I said at the very beginning of the message that this is really all about victory. The enemy, church, has been defeated. He's already lost. Come on, somebody, that is good news. You know, when we when we look at the cross and the resurrection, when we when we view that picture, we think about our salvation, we think about the sacrifice, we think about all that. But, but what, I want, what I want you to see for just a moment is that we're seeing Jesus in that moment totally and completely defeating the strategy of the enemy. Defeating the strategy of his demons to entice us into sin and separate us from God. Here's a verse that you'll love. I love this. Colossians 2.13. It's our last verse for this morning. And you who were dead in your trespasses and in the circumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. I love this. Here's verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. That language sounds familiar, right? He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So the chief strategy of the enemy is to lie and deceive. To lure you away from God, to paralyze you with fear. And Jesus totally and utterly destroyed that strategy forever, forgiving your sins and mine, paying for every one of them on the cross. And when he did that, come on, somebody, he made a public spectacle of the enemy by putting him to open shame. That's what Jesus did for us. He may still walk around like a roaring lion, but he's defeated. The demons he controls are defeated and we have the privilege of fighting not for victory but from a place of victory can we just go ahead and bow our heads and pray together this morning all heads bowed as we talked about this some of you may recognize right now and you may say honestly i feel like i am under attack there are so many things that are going wrong in our lives and around us and the people that we love, we feel like we are under spiritual attack, a heavy spiritual burden. The reality of it is you very well may be. The forces of the kingdom of darkness are trying to take you out and you may just say, you know what, Robbie, would you just pray for me? And the answer is absolutely I will. But let's, let's pray together. So let's take a moment to do battle in a spiritual world. Everyone in here who would say, yeah, I'm under attack and I really need prayer today. Would you just lift your hand? Hands all over the room. I'm under attack and I need some prayer today. I need to do battle in the spiritual realm today. Just lift them up high all over the place. All right, let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you. You are all powerful. You are all knowing. God, you are ever present. And God, we thank you that just as Daniel prayed and you acted in the spiritual world, that you are acting right now, releasing your angels to do battle on our behalf. God, I pray for everyone today who is under attack. God, that you would give them victory. God, that you would wield the sword of the spirit, the word of God, and and, and that they would pray in the spirit on all occasions. God, I pray and I thank you that when we prayed this way, God, that you will act, that you will move on the behalf of your children. And God, I thank you ahead of time for every spiritual victory that comes through your son, Jesus Christ. God, do battle on behalf of your children. And we praise you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.